0: Uh, and um, because of that we are told to do certain things and these are a list of commands that he gives to us and the one that we want to see today is found for us nestled in between them of all in verse number 18 In everything what does it say what does it say and everything do what give thanks, give thanks. We just sang that uh, song, Give Thanks, with a grateful heart. Uh, give thanks to the Holy One. Uh, so in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Have you ever wondered what the will of God was for your life? Ever wondered that? What is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What's, uh, we often uh, associate that with a job. Uh, We associate that with who I'm going to get married to. We associate that with uh, what church am I going to be involved with or or, or where where am I going to do with the rest of my life and things like that. And so we, we ask, what is God's will? Well, we don't have to wonder what God's will for our life is according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, do we? In everything, do what? Give thanks. In some things, give thanks. Is that what it says? And most things give thanks. Is that what it says? No. And 99 po- And the good things uh, right? Give thanks. No. It says, "In everything, give thanks." That's not an easy verse to swallow whenever you really consider the implications of that, you know? Uh, whenever you consider that, you know, I just lost my job last week, how do I give thanks? How am I going to do that? And that's what we want to talk about today is just uh, a closer look at thanksgiving. That's our message this morning. A closer look at thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should be a part of every believer's life. It should be something that's embedded in your life. It should be a part of your life. And it is something that all of us, uh, if we were, had good parents, we were taught good manners. Amen. And your parents taught you to say thank you, uh, and uh, you should be teaching that to your children too, amen? And uh, we want to keep, and, and, and saved or unsaved, that shouldn't matter, amen? We ought to have good morals in society just so people can say thank you, that's good, it's a good thing to do. Uh, but we want to dive a little deeper than just the surface four-year-old thank you, all right? We want to take a little bit step deeper into this this morning and want to see three specific areas of thanksgiving and how we can be better thankful people. Uh, and we want to notice them all. They're all going to be, this is going to be real simple for us this morning because they're all going to be nestled right here between these two epistles, First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. You don't have to go very far, all right? So we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to get in here and we're going to find some ways in which we can be thankful people. And the first one is this, it all begins with a look. And the first one is this is that we are going to be thankful people by having an upward look. An upward look. All right? So you're in 1 Thessalonians 5, all you got to do is turn your page to the right just one page for me and you're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13, all right? 2 Thessalonians 2:13, 2, you notice what he says right here. He says it here in verse 13. He says, "But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you brethren beloved of the Lord because God hath from the beginning chosen you To salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did Paul just say? Paul said that if you're a believer, then you are a God chosen, Spirit sanctified, truth believing, gospel called, glory possessing Christian. That's what you are. That's what you are. And you ought to be thankful for that. We ought to be having an upward look. We ought to be thankful that we're saved. Amen? We ought to be thankful that we are saved. Are you saved? Have you been born again by the Spirit of God and through Christ Jesus? This is first and foremost. If you're not saved, then you cannot be the thankful person that God wants you to be. All right. If you're not saved, you're not going to understand 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in who? Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You see, the way that you're a thankful person, the way that you're a consistently thankful person, the way that it is embedded within your DNA, if you will, is if you're born again. If you're saved. If you're a Christian, if you've been saved from the wrath of God, John 3:36 says this, he that believeth on the son of God hath life. Or excuse me, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Listen to me. I am can be thankful all the time no matter what as a Christian because I know that I no longer have God's wrath abiding upon me. Does anybody know what the word abide means? The word abide means to dwell with, is what it means. All right? It means to be in the same house with. It means to live with, right? You have a spouse, you have children, you have a mom, you have a dad, you have somebody. Maybe uh, you've lived with somebody before. You know what that means. You dwell with them, you abide with them, you are with them on a consistent daily basis, all right? And the thing that, that's what he's saying right here is that those that don't have Christ, don't have life, and the wrath of God lives with them. It never leaves them. But praise God, when you get saved... That the blood of Jesus Christ atones for your sins. And guess what? You have been given life through the resurrection life of Jesus Christ the Lord. And that wrath that was abiding upon you has now been satisfied. Amen? By the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. God's wrath is satisfied. That's what the word propitiation means in, your word, in the word of God in Romans there. It means that God's wrath has been placated, it's been satisfied, it's been taken care of because of your belief upon Jesus Christ the Lord. And you got a lot to be thankful for, my friend. You you don't just have God's wrath leaving you, but praise God, like I said earlier, you're a God chosen, Spirit sanctified, truth believing, gospel called, glory possessing believer. Now, that's the description of a believer. A believer has an upward look. They look towards heaven because they've been saved. They're thankful to God because they've been saved. But what is the description of an unbeliever? Very interesting to me that the description of the unbeliever, somebody that's not saved, somebody that's not been born again by the Spirit of God and grace in Christ Jesus, the description for them is this. Romans 121. Because that, when they knew God, you see, don't let anybody ever confuse you. There's no atheist out there. Somebody says, "I'm an atheist." All right. There's nobody that's an atheist. Like they say, there's no atheist in a foxhole. All right. If there's no atheist, then why do atheists argue that there's a God? That there is there's not a God. I don't I don't post YouTube videos arguing that there's purple Smurfs. Okay. All right? Because I don't believe in purple smurfs. Right? Why do people argue that there's not a God? Because they want to so much deny that there is a God that they want to try to argue and try to placate their own consciences by trying to establish that there is not a God. But they are arguing that there's not a God from the simple standpoint because they know that there is a God, but they don't want to listen to God. And they feel better about themselves if they can put Him out of their mind. But you know what? They know in the back of their mind that they're wrong. Because the Bible says, you say, you say, well, you know, I don't really believe that. Well, then you would have to say then I don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible says, because that, when they knew God, speaking about unsaved people, that they glorified him not as God. And listen to the very next phrase. Neither were They thankful. Thankful. You know one of the first qualities that I find coming out of a new believer? Oftentimes, is thankfulness. After they pray and they receive God and Christ as as Savior, there's oftentimes, there's many times, not every time, but there's a lot of times there's a tear that comes out of their eye. There's a frown that turns into a smile. And they might even say in their prayer as they're praying to God to save them, they might even say, thank you God for saving my soul. What happens? There's a change in their life because now they were at a place where they did not glorify God and their hearts were darkened and their foolish hearts, they became vain in their imaginations and they were not thankful to God. This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And the rest of the things go on. I'm just saying that's a description of somebody that's not a believer. Unsaved people, though they know God, are unthankful to God. They do not give God the glory that He so righteously deserves. But we're different, aren't we? Christians are different. If you've got your Bibles, you can just, you're right there in Thessalonians. Go back over to First Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 13. You just go to the left a little bit and you'll find it right there. Very simply, what does he say there? He says to us in that, in that chapter, he says that for this cause, also thank we God, thank we God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, listen to me, listen to it, not listen to me, listen to scripture, it's not the word of men, what does it say? But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you also that belief. I love that word, effectually worketh in you. It is the same word where we get our word energy from. Now, I'm not a scientist or anything like that, and I don't know much about science, but I have read a little bit to understand that energy is something that can never be destroyed, but it can only be transferred from one object to a next. All right, And so what he's saying here is this something very amazing. He's saying that, the, the, that he's thankful that they're saved and that God has effectually worked in them. He has allowed his energy, if you will, his life to affect their life. And that's what happens as a believer. It's not you and it's not me. It's not me turning over a new leaf or figuring out my personality trait better or figuring out uh, it, it better uh, who, I, who I need to be or going to a meeting or anything like that. No, it's God working in me to do something in me that I could not do in myself. That's, the, that's salvation, my friend. You should be sitting here today as saved, sanctified, born-again believers, thanking God that you're not going to hell, thanking God that you're going to see the Savior. Amen? That's the goal. Don't forget that. I said that on Wednesday night. That's the goal. The goal for believers is what? To see Jesus. That's the goal. Don't forget it. And that ultimately all of us are going to be healed of pain and suffering. Miss Laura's dad who had his leg amputated below the knee, guess what? When he gets to glory one day, guess what? That knee's going that leg's going to be restored. There's not going to be any amputees in heaven. There's not going to be any blind people in heaven. There's not going to be any sin in heaven. There's not going to be any vile bodies in heaven. Amen. We're going to return to back to normal if you will. That God has given you life. That now as you live upon the face of this earth right now, you can possess great hope. You can possess great joy. You can have peace of God that passes all understanding. That you serve a living Savior. Listen, to you; you ought to be thankful. Listen, I am thankful I can't go to my Savior's grave. Amen? You know one of the greatest miracles of all time is that Jesus rose from the dead? I'm thankful. I don't have to go to my. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a savior's grave to go to. I don't have one. I don't have. I don't go pay homage to Jesus at his graveside. You can't find my Jesus among the tombs. All right, he's gone. I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful that I have an inheritance that's that's uncorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. That's reserved in glory with for me forever and and ever and ever and ever. I have a God that loves me. Amen? I have a God that cares for me. I have a God that says in His Word, that He says, "Cast all, Casting all your care upon me, for He careth for you. I, that's the God I serve. I don't know what God you serve, but I serve a God that cares for me that loves me, that watches over me, that's there for me. I've served a God that's never forsaken me, that never will forsake me. Their father and mother forsake me. My God will not forsake me. Now, has anybody else got a God like that this morning? Amen. Anybody else got a God that loves them unconditionally? That whenever you sin this week, that he didn't even go, Oh, wow, that's a hundredth time, you know? For real. I'm not listening to you anymore, buddy, you know? But when you come to him in humble repentance and you beg God for forgiveness, what does he do? He forgives. Because he is a God of unconditional love. He's a God that loves his children and he takes care of his children. And we ought to have an upward look. Have you ever wondered why in Mark 6 and verse number 39, it says, and he commanded them to all sit down upon the green grass. That's always threw me for a loop. Why in the world does Mark say he commanded them to sit down in the green grass? You know what that story is? I went back and looked it up. Feeding of the 5,000. What a psalm tells us in Psalm 23. He maketh me to lie down in what kind of pastures? Anybody want to guess? Green. Green pastures. Jesus was is Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 23, my friend. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of what? Righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nobody, for thou art with me. Who art with me? Jesus is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Whose staff, whose rod comfort me? Jesus does. Who's chastising me whenever I do wrong? Jesus is. Who is also leading me back down the way that I need to go? It's Jesus doing that, that, my friend. Y'all prepare us a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. He tells him, he says, surely goodness and mercy. Whose goodness? Whose mercy is going to follow me to the end of my life? Whose is it? Jesus is my friend. And I'm thankful for that. And you ought to be thankful for that. And we ought to be having an upward look towards God. And if you don't have an upward look this morning, my friend, you're not going to have an inward look and you're not going to have an outward look. The rest of the teaching that I have for you here today will just simply be moralistic, all right? It's not going to be helpful for your eternal gain. But if you're going to be having some eternal gain, you got to get the first point in, right? you got to see that you got a need, and your need... Is that you're a sinner and you have no way to save yourself, but there is one that came to save you, and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. So there's an upward look. But if you're saved this morning, turn, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 2. You have an upward look, but you also have an inward look. 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Look what it says. We give thanks to God always for what does the next word say there? For you all. In studying this out, I kind of was considering that. He says, he says that I, I give thanks to God always for you, for you all. Or if Paul was in Texas, he'd say y'all, you know. Uh, I, give ta- I give thanks to y'all for y'all and it made me think about this and ask myself a question are people thankful for me I don't ask that as a, in a proud way you know i'm not asking that to build your ego up you know they're really thankful for me at work if it weren't for me you know <laughs> that company listen i have learned I'm not very old, I'm almost 40, but I've learned in life that there's nobody that's irreplaceable. Well, if I left that company, you know, what would they do without me? They'd find another person. That's what they would do, because life moves on, buddy, and it don't stop. You know, just be thankful for what the job that you do have now what God's given to you and the good graces God has given to you. But what I mean by this is this is an inward look. Paul is thankful for the way that these Christians have responded to the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians, he says the exact same thing to them. I've already read, we won't go back to it again, but in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, he says the exact same thing. We are thankful for you. He, the Word of God, as I said earlier, was already effectually working in their lives in a very real way. But in verse number 3 of 1 Thessalonians 2, look at what it says to him. He says, why was he thankful though? And he gives to us three very, very, very clear reasons to why he was thankful for them. He was thankful for them because he remembered without ceasing, number one, their work of faith. Number two, their labor of love. And number three, their patience of hope. That's why he was thankful for them. And that's why I'm calling it an inward look because I'm asking you, are people thankful for you? Is there an inward look? Is there something in and and, and you need to look inside and say, do I have a work of faith? Do I have a labor of love? Am I being patient in hope? Is that me? Are people thankful for me because of my work of faith? What does work of faith mean? Well, work of faith simply put is that uh, you believe God's word and then you act it out. You, you, you're, you, you're connected to God's word and by faith you live it out. That's a work of faith. All right, let me, it probably be better to illustrate it. Instead of Cussing and getting mad and angry and throwing stuff at somebody because they hurt you or they're impolite, or they cut you off in traffic, or they hurt your feelings, or they cheat you out, cheated you out of something. What do you do? You respond graciously and kindly. You might even pray for them. Ooh. And you're getting real spiritual, right? No, I'm being serious, though. Instead of, instead, of, instead of being drunk and hungover on Saturday night and you can't get up to go to church on Sunday morning, you've decided, you know what, I'm putting those things to the side and putting those things to rest, you know, because I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to live for God. And I can't do that by doing these other things. You love your wife, you're obedient to your husband, you respect your parents. What does all of that mean? What well, all that means is this, what I'm saying is this, is that your work of faith means this, is that it's not just a Sunday thing. Amen? Amen. Work of faith means it's not just something you do once a week. Well, I do church. No, you don't do church, my friend, all right? You live out your faith in Jesus Christ on a daily, regular, consistent basis. Do all of us get it right every day? No, we don't. But you know what you do? The just man falleth down what? How many times? Seven times and riseth up again. But you know what happens to the wicked? The wicked fall and they stay down. They don't get back up. They wallow in the mire. They love being down in in that pit, in that gross stuff. They love staying down there. They love being in with the pig slop. But a Christian falls down in the pig slop and says, like that prodigal son, he looks down and he comes to his senses and he comes to his mind and he says, what am I about to eat? He says, I've got a father back here that loves me. And I'd rather be one of his servants than have to eat this old pig slop anymore. And he picks himself up and he goes back to God. And guess what God does every single time? Forgives us. What I'm saying this morning is that are, you, are people thankful? Can they see a change in you? Can they see something's been done in you? I'm thankful, he says, not only for your work of faith, but I'm thankful for your labor of love. Your labor of love. That means labor of love means deliberate acts of love upon others. You show out your love to others. You have deliberate acts. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4. You might have had this read at your wedding. I don't know. But the Bible says that charity suffereth long. Charity or love is kind. Charity does not envy. Charity does not vaunt itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't promote itself. That's the word vaunt there. It doesn't promote itself. It doesn't say, look at me. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. Uh, That means that it's not impolite. That it doesn't do things out of order. Love says, you know what? Uh, This is the way it's done here at Grandma's house, and I don't really want to, you know, upset the apple cart because I love Grandma, you know? I don't like the way Grandma does it, you know? Who cares what you like, you know? You love Grandma. It's Thanksgiving Day, you know? And she always says the poem before, you ever, before everybody eats, all right? We've all heard the poem 15 times, but we want to hear it again. Because that's what grandma wants to do, because we love grandma. I don't know why I'm talking about grandma so much, all right? <laughs> but you get the point. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It's not easily provoked. I mean, just how many times has somebody got to poke you for you get mad? You know? How many times has somebody got to poke you to get mad? Once? Twice? Three times? No, a deliberate act of love. A labor of love. You know what a labor of love is? Forbearance. You know what, the, uh, you know what, the, you know what forbearance means? Just real simply, putting up with folks. You know there's some folks in life you just got to put up with? That's what you got to do with them. Why? Because you love them. Because why? Because Jesus loved you. And he forbear you and me. Come on now. Don't get quiet on me. Doesn't rejoice in iniquity. You know, the the world just, I mean, that's what the world does, doesn't it? I mean, they just, they rejoice in iniquity. They laugh about it, you know. Oh, they just carry on about sin and ungodliness. They just laugh. They think it's so funny, you know. Christians don't do that. Labor of love. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. It hopes the best in people. It endures difficult times. Could your wife, could your kid, could your coworker? could your pastor be thankful for the acts of love that you have deliberately shown to somebody else? When was the last time you deliberately showed love to someone? I've said this all the time, love is better better shown than said. People will believe your love for them when you show your love to them. That's how they know you love them. I can see your love manifested. I can see it in the way you give. I can see it in the way you give attention to, what you spend your time on, what you post on social media. What you talk about, what you ask prayers for, who you talk to Jesus about, who you bring to church, and, uh, who you try to get to come to church, but they don't come to church. I mean, I, I can see it, your life can see it, your kids can see it, and God can see it, all right? Could we say, I am so thankful for blanks, labor of love. I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful for your patience of hope. Your patience of hope. What does that mean? That means you are patient and hopeful in the midst of trials and troubles. You know what? That person right over here, you know, this person right over here, I'll tell you what, I have watched them, I have seen them go through some difficult time, I've seen them cry, I've seen them a little discouraged. But I'll tell you what, the majority of time I've seen them smiling and praising God and trusting God. Though it's hard, though it's not easy. And I've seen them do that. And I'm thankful for that because you know what that does for me? That lets me look at that person and say, you know what, if they can do that and I have a difficult time, then I need to be like them and I can take encouragement from them and say, you know what, I can do it because they did it. That's what Christianity is all about, my friend. That's what the church is all about. And so that people can see your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope, and then they can take courage from those things and say, you know what? I can do it too. And I can love God like them because, you know what? God loves them and they love me just the same. 1 Peter 1 says this, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. The Bible says that we ought to be rejoicing even though we've got manifold temptations, many temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and glory and honor of the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now what would you rather have in life? Trials are gold. Would you rather have money or problems? Come on now. Be honest. I'd rather have money. That's the way my flesh wants to respond. But God says... And it's just, just, all this is is a question of whether or not we believe the Word of God, right? That's really all life boils down to, really, is that. Do we really believe the Word of God? And the Word of God says that when we endure through difficult times, and we stay faithful and courageous and patient, that those times are more precious than gold which perisheth. You see the difference? You get gold today, what's that going to do for you tomorrow if you die? Nothing. What's it going to do for you in 10 years or 100 years? Nothing. Would you rather have problems or money? I don't wish problems on anybody. I hope you don't have any problems. I'm not saying I wish we all gotten a bunch of trials. I'm not trying to be dark and sadistic, okay? We just need to face the facts of life. That we're all going to face problems. And they're not going to be the problems that you think they're going to be. They're not. They're going to be something that you totally didn't even expect. Are people thankful for the way that you respond during those times? That's an inward look. But an inward look and an upward look should always focus us out and push us to an outward look. And this is the most obvious of all the looks, and that is being thankful for others. I don't need to read you all the verses, but I've already read them to you. What was Paul thankful for? For them. Simply put. He was thankful for the Thessalonians. And you go back and you read all of Paul's epistles, every one of them. Go back and read them. You know what you'll find and what's characteristic about all of Paul's epistles? He's thankful for every church that he had a part in. Every church and every person. He's thankful for them. Even the Corinthian church, and if you don't know your Bible, I'm really good about the Corinthians, go back and read what the Corinthians were. They weren't the greatest of people, okay? It was a difficult church. It wasn't an easy church to pastor, all right? Can you imagine being in a church? I mean, just, this is, let's just take one example, all right? I can't resist this one. Can you imagine being at a, we have a fellowship dinner here at our church every, every last Sunday. Can you imagine going over here to the fellowship dinner and half the church bringing, you know, brisket and smoked turkey and baked potatoes and creamed corn and sweet tea, you know, and just having an all-out barbecue. And then the other half of the church has beans and rice. And when one guy comes over to eat some of the brisket, they're like, no, 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 no. You stay over there with your beans and rice. We're eating this. Could you imagine that? That's what was literally happening at the Corinthian church. Not just that. I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were sipping back on the wine and getting drunk, too. While these guys over here were eating beans and rice and drinking water. And Paul says, I'm thankful for you. How can he say that? In everything, give thanks. Why? Because they knew he knew that this church had been led astray and they had been misled by many other false teachers, and he knew that they were truly saved believers, and if they were truly saved, then he could be thankful for them. We need to have an outward look. We need to be thankful for others. We need to turn our attention onto other people. Do you verbally, by your mouth, by text, by phone call, by email, whatever way you communicate with people, do you verbally talk to people and tell them thank you? Do you tell them thank you? If you see the mailman coming up and you say, hey, thanks for delivering my mail, I really appreciate that. I mean, you're always on time. I really appreciate you always doing that. Try to do that with our mailman as much as I can. And you know what? It gave me the opportunity to witness to him the other day. You don't know what a thank you can do for somebody. All right? Don't just say thank you to the people at Chick-fil-A, all right? Okay? Say thank you to everybody. Say thank you. Verbally express your gratitude towards somebody. Have you ever told your mom... Mom, thank you for walking with Jesus. Thank you for bringing me to church. Dad, thanks for taking me to church. Dad, Mom, thank you for loving me enough to share Jesus with me. Thank you for doing that. Hey, Mom, Dad, thanks for providing a home for me. Thanks for providing some food for me. I mean, have you ever just looked at your wife and just said, Thank you for marrying me. Because you realize you're just a bonehead, you know? If you're a guy and you don't realize you're a bonehead, then you're, you know, I don't know what you are, all right? And she married you, my man. That's the thing. Thank you. You ever look to your husband and say, thank you for working so hard. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for providing. Thank you for, thank you for helping. Thank you for loving me. You ever just, no, have you ever just told your children thank you for something? Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Hey, you got it. That's great. I'm glad to see you got it. Jesus, in his famous encounter with 10 lepers, really reveals to us the state of every society. He has 10 lepers that come to him for healing. And if you know the story well enough, in Luke 17, you'll, you'll know that uh, how many came back to thank him? <laughs> if you didn't know it, it's right here, all right? That's 10%, if my math is correct. where the blue's not here this morning, so I don't have a corrector, but I believe that's 10%. So that gives us a good clue on what society is like, right? 10% of people are thankful on average when something good happens to them or bad or whatever it may be that they're truly thankful for what has occurred to them in their life what's just happened to them they're thankful thank you thank you thanksgiving is not a one time year celebration folks it's not about just being thankful for the food, which I hope you are. 1 Timothy 4 tells us that we should be thankful for our food and pray about God and tell God thank you. But we're thankful people because we're Christian people. We're not Christian people because we grew up in church or because we've got a Christian mom or dad. We're or Christian people because we've believed in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins and that he died on the cross and that he rose again the third day. We've taken an upward look. But then we've taken a hard inward look and we've asked ourselves, you know what, am I having any acts of, acts of uh, works of faith or any labor of love? Can people see my patience of hope? And that should turn us out and say, you know what, I need to have an outward look. And I need to be thankful for the people that God has placed in my life. And verbally express to them Thank you. Dollar Tree, I think for $1.25 now, I don't know why they call it Dollar Tree, sells 10 thank you cards. It used to be for a dollar, keep my math simple, all right? That's 10 cents a card for 10 cards plus tax, 108. 10 thank you cards. Thank you costs you nothing. In relationship to a dollar, to what our inflation rate is, it's nothing. Verbally, it literally costs you nothing. But the reward, the gain, Is unfathomable. You don't know. I've got a stack. I've got, not a huge stack, but I've I've got a stack back there of people that have sent me thank you cards. And I keep them. I don't throw those away. And I go back and every once in a while when I get a little discouraged in the ministry or whatever... I'll pull out some of those thank you cards and I'll read them. And I'll realize, you know what? Maybe God does have a reason for me to do what I'm doing here. And I'll be encouraged. And I'll be helped. And I'm not looking for anybody to send me a thank you card, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I'd love it, I would love it if there was one in here today that didn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus to save you, that at the end of this service, I could put my arm around you and I say, I am thankful for the God that effectually worketh in you. I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for every person that I've ever seen got saved. I've had the opportunity to lead them to Christ. And I'm thankful for this church. And I've never, if I haven't said it recently, I'll say it now. I'm thankful for you. And some of you have been faithful for a very long time. and Some of you are very encouraged to me, encouraged our family. and Some of you have been thankful. Some of you have been helpful from the moment you've gotten here. Thank you. Some of you are just now getting on board. Some of you are just now getting here. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for every person here. And I pray for you. I have you in my phone, and I go through the list. And I go down every single family, and I pray for you. And I love you, and I remember you, and I'm thankful for you. I thank God for you. I thank God for my salvation. And I hope all of us will have others thankful for who we are and how we share the love of Christ with others. Father, we're thankful for the word for you, God. We're thankful for this day.